Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, it's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910 or 980 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. You can also catch us anywhere you get your favorite podcast. Just search The Rob O'Donnell Show. You can download it, listen whenever you want to listen to. I appreciate your support there with the podcast. And all the podcast is is a rebroadcast of what we bring you here on the show. So if you can't catch the show here live, you don't want to listen to the Odyssey app, just download the podcast. You can listen whenever you want. It's uh, 3.09. Real nice outside. Let's see what the weather's. 40, 46 degrees with some sun and clouds out there. Real pretty drive coming in with those white cumulus clouds up there. And I woke up this morning about oh, 5.30-ish. Looked at my watch and it said it was 21 degrees up by my house. I don't know what the official temperature was, but that's what it was showing up uh, by me at 5.30 this morning. 20, 21 or 22 degrees. So interesting. If you're in the uh, Scranton Avoca area coming in, I saw a military C-130 doing touch and goes at the airport circling. I've heard it come over the station here a few times. It, I'm not sure if it's still up there, but if you saw it, that's what it was. It was a military C-130 doing some touch and goes, getting some training in, as our military often does in their downtime when they have the funds to do it. It also looked like a couple of uh, military leadership Confirmations went through today. Senator Chuck Schumer, who organizes the calendar and decides what comes to the floor, decided, you know, instead of crying about what Senator Tuberville is doing, which he has the right to do under the rules of the Senate, just as Senator Chuck Schumer, as the leader, has the right to bring these nominations, these these confirmations individually, which he has sporadically done. But rather than solve the problem by taking a couple of days to push through confirmations one by one individually. You know, Senator Chuck Schumer has decided to join in the political back and forth, you know, pointing fingers, uh, who's not letting us get what, and blaming blaming four-star general heart attacks on them being overworked. Well, not for nothing, and I have more admiration than our, in our military leadership than probably most people have and understand the weight that's on their shoulders, but it's far from a strenuous job. They are catered to very handsomely, and uh, it's a desk job. It's, it's an office job at that point. But, yes, I understand you have tens of thousands of soldiers, sailors, and Marines' lives at your hands. But believe me, there is a chain of command. Other people are doing those jobs. It's not like that job just goes vacant or anybody does double or triple duty. That's not the way it really works. So, yes, there is a little more added to it, but... Uh, I saw some some interesting takes today of, uh, and if you're unaware, the Commandant of the Marine Corps, four-star general, uh, was rushed to the hospital and suffered a heart attack. He is in stable condition, doing well. But because there is no Deputy Conf- Commandant of the Marine Corps right now in place, there is an acting, but there's no deputy in place, they are saying that the Commandant of the Marine Corps, four-star general, who's probably been through some of the tough t- toughest times that you and I will never see, you know, was overstressed because he's doing double clerical duty because there's no deputy commandant. But again, there's an acting. There's plenty of underlings in that chain of command that take up that slack. Nothing gets left undone, I, I assure you. So to, to have that take was just, again, politically motivated and uh, typical nonsense rhetoric that's out there. The Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. 
almost didn't make it today. I uh, either tore some cartilage or pulled a muscle or something underneath my uh, right rib cage. And if I twist the wrong way or if I cough or if I breathe in too much when I'm it's uh, excruciating pain. So if you hear me wince in pain or uh, go silent for a minute, I'm just telling you up front, that's probably what it is. We're uh, looking at some interesting things locally where the Lackawanna County commissioners are split on borrowing $28.4 million for infrastructure. Well, I would hope they're split, and um, one would wonder, a matter of fact, more should wonder why two lame duck commissioners are looking to place $28.4 million in borrowing on the shoulders of the next group of commissioners. Two of the three commissioners that are presently there right now, Jerry Notariani and Debbie Domchek, Dominic, uh, will no longer be at the helm of the commissioners, not even be a commissioner. But yet they voted yes to authorize up to $28.4 million in debt for a list of projects that also includes courthouse renovations, flood controls, energy-saving measures, a new prison roof. And uh, Chris, Commissioner Chris Chermack voted no. The county would borrow $11.4 million for two years through a note and up to $17 million more through the sale of tax-free municipal bonds. In two years, the county would borrow about $19.8 million. The majority of that would go toward paying off the note that they took out. Now, obviously, these infrastructure issues have been, and they say they've been a long-term neglect. But let's be honest, you've been county commissioners for the past, what, three, four years? The neglect is yours as well. And how come you didn't look to do anything to spread it out over the past three or four years? You wait till you're headed out the door and you dump this note into the taxpayers of Lackawanna County and whoever's coming in as commissioner in a, a few months on their lap. Now, the county imposes a 63.92 mil tax rate. A mil is a dollar of tax on every $1,000 of real estate assessed values. It means owners of properties assessed at 10000 pay $639.20 a year in taxes. And twice that for, obviously, properties assessed at 20000 one mill would add another $10 to the annual tax bill of the property assessed at 10000 The average assessed value of a parcel of real estate, including commercial properties, is about 14000 which means county-only tax bill of $894.88. Another mill would add $14 to that. The Whether the borrowing... Raises taxes will depend on the county's ability to cut costs or raise other non-tax revenues. For example, a portion of the county's $5 a vehicle car registration fee could help pay for the borrowing. So listen to what they're telling you here. We don't know if we're going to raise taxes or we may have to look for other non-tax revenues, but we're going to put another five. We're going to put that $5 a vehicle car registration, which is already there. It's still a tax. It's just a tax through a vehicle registration fee. The money is still coming from the same place. It's coming for you or I. So whether they raise fees or they have these fees on a $5 a car vehicle registration fee, 
or they raise your taxes, it's still more money coming out of our pocket for them. But do you think if you reside in Lackawanna County, it prudent and fair for the majority outgoing commissioners, two commissioners who have are not going to be in government, dumping $28.4 million in debt on the county? Or should they prioritize, hey, what needs to be done immediately now? Because, you know, I understand the take that, you know, in even the article it says, Notariani played, portrayed, played, same thing, the infrastructure projects as long overdue and the result of 50 years of neglect by multiple county administrations. Well, including yours, Mr. Chairman, let's be honest. I mean, I understand you're going out the door. You don't care the political ramifications, which is just the coward's way out. How come you didn't do something over the past three or four years? How come there was not this call for neglect your first year as chairman saying, hey, I've recognized 50 years of neglect going by your statement here, Mr. Chairman, 50 years of neglect by multiple county administrations and it ends here. This is my plan to fix it. These are my cuts. These are my tax raises. These are my fee raises. This is what we're going to do to fix our infrastructure. But see, they're cowards, so they don't do that. He waits till there's no political ramifications, till there's no more glad-handing, till I can't be the nice guy anymore. And believe me, these positions, you can't be the nice guy all the time. Sometime, I mean, you're going to be hated pretty much by somebody at some time. You're making tough decisions that affect people's bottom line. But this is surely the coward's way out, where you want to say, talk about 50 years of neglect when you've been part of that 50 years. And then dump $28.4 million of debt on the county that you're walking away from? Yep, not my problem. Look, this next, this next group of commissioners, whoever they are, and if you're the Democrat wanting to be majority coming in, I would be furious with someone like a Jerry Notariani dumping that on your lap. Because the next group of commissioners, whoever they are, is going to be left holding the bag, is going to be left juggling this and dealing with it. And yes, I agree. The infrastructure has been neglected. But own up to it and say you've been part of that neglect. And answer the questions, why didn't you have a plan to fix it each and every year you were there to do something about it rather than dumping it as you walk out the door? Again, the coward's way out. You, you, you have just shown in one meeting why the people of the taxpayers of Lackawanna County, regardless of who they are, had no faith in you, should no longer have any faith in you, and you should not be dumping $28.5 million in debt. Like I said, if this is what you recognize, 50 years of neglect, that's a quote from you, how come you haven't been addressing this the past three or four years when interest rates were a sixth of what they are now? But yet now when interest rates are at the highest point in your tenure as county commissioner, you're looking to take out debt at the highest rate imaginable during your tenure and dumping it on the taxpayers and whoever the next group of commissioners are. If, that's, if, if there are immediate needs for infrastructure that needs emergency repairs, identify that. And say, hey, these are the things that need to be done the next year or two. We've had engineers. We've had our financial experts. We've had capital reserve experts look at this. This is what is going to fail in the next two years. This is the minimum we need to take out now to fix that. 
We will leave the rest. Here's our recommendations for the other 20 million. And we'll leave it to the next group of commissioners to figure out their priorities, which is best for the community, for the county. That's how you handle that. But they don't. They're literally pulling a pin to a hand grenade, dropping it in the county commissioner's office and walking out going, see ya, not our problem anymore. In the end, both uh, Commissioner Jerry Notariani and Debbie Dominic voted yes, and Chris Jermack voted no. We'll see where this goes, but there might be $28.4 million in debt on the doorstep of every taxpayer of Lackawanna County, be it a tax assessment or a fees. They're looking for ways for you to pay that back. And for them to simply say it's been 50 years of neglect over multiple administrations, well, you've been part of that. And you should be ashamed what you're leaving the taxpayers, and it should be go down in history as this is your legacy. Nothing else you've done. The fact that you dropped a $28.4 million debt on the taxpayers of Lackawanna County while you had three or four years to fix it and you didn't do a thing. It's uh, 322 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 325, 46 degrees, and mostly sunny outside. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. I don't know if I have to talk slower or what I need to do, but there's you know selective hearing. You know, I get a text message. So Schumer is to blame for the non-promotions, not Tuberville. You're delusional. That's not what I said. What I said is it is within Tuberville's right to not have a mass voice vote for all the pending promotions. He's saying, I want them confirmed one by one because of these reasons. And it's his right as a senator to do that. It's in the rules. He's allowed. And they have to deal with it. It's also the majority leader, Chuck Schumer's right, to call them individually and get these promotions pushed through, which he's choosing not to do. He's now doing them selectively because they've found that they really need them. And since they can't force Tuberville to withdraw his objection, they have to work around it. But instead of working around it, they just want to point fingers back and forth at each other. So just as it is Tuberville's right to prevent a mass confirmation verbal vote, which is what he's doing, it's Senator Schumer's right to call them individually one by one. It would take time. It would take longer. It would take a couple. I think they said it would take um, a little over a week, if that's what they did, to get all th- 300, what is it, 200 and something, 300 confirmations done. And he's choosing not to do that. Now he's pushed through, what, uh, I think under 20. They just did the uh, chief of naval operations today, the first female chief of naval operations, by the way. So congratulations to her. She will also be the first female member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Again, congratulations. She's. I know people who have gone to the academy with her. I know people who are friends with her. She's very competent in what she does, and I'm sure she'll do an excellent job. So congratulations for her, because that went through today. So that's what I'm saying. They are both playing politics. I didn't place blame. There is no blame to place. Tuberville is using a procedural right he has as a senator to not allow mass confirmation by a verbal vote which is what's commonly done. Just as it's Senator Chuck Schumer's right to say, okay, if you want to play hardball and that's what you want to do, the next five days, all we're going to do is confirmations one by one. Here's the list. And he's choosing not to do that because he's playing politics as well. So that's what I said there. So, you know, to clarify it. 
I don't even know what that means. PA has the second highest uh, GSD tax. GSD tax. Well, something else the PA House panel is debating right now is legalizing recreational marijuana. I really don't have a skin in this game. It's not like I'm going to be using it. My kids are grown. They have their own lives. And a matter of fact, all three of them can't use it because they get tested randomly at all times being military and in the medical field. But we talked about this earlier in the week to where the individual running for mayor of Wilkesbury, I believe, said that one of his plans was to legalize mar recreational marijuana, which he can't do on a city level, so I don't even know what it means, but, you know, it sounded good, so I guess say it. And, and he's the Republican candidate. And like I said, I call those as I see it. And he said, you know, it, it's not like people are crashing their cars on marijuana and people aren't, you know, domestic violence isn't increasing because of that, unlike alcohol. And I brought up the statistics from Colorado to where Domestic violence is at an all-time high since the legalization of recreational marijuana in Colorado. And motor vehicle accidents are have increased 138%, I think it was, with more fatalities than they've ever had since they've legalized recreational marijuana. Now, I understand a lot of the states around us have it. I understand we have medical. And I don't have a severe objection against it. I just don't think the necessary safeguards are there as far as driving while impaired, operating machinery while impaired. And you can add in the quality of life things of if you go to D.C., if you go to um, Philadelphia, if you go to um, New York, the smell of marijuana is just sickening everywhere. It is literally everywhere. And you guys, gals who have gone to these places know what I'm talking about. So it's a quality of life issue, but that's not something that, uh, you know, really is a deal breaker for me. What, what it is is there's no field sobriety test right now for marijuana. So you're kind of tying the hands of law enforcement, not just here or, but anywhere, to where the technology is not up to make it safe for the citizenry of, citizenry of, of our area, of Pennsylvania, of any area. And they've seen that in Colorado where fatal traffic accidents have, are up 138% since the legalization of marijuana. And again, it's not something I'm like, this is adamantly for. I mean, we can go through the gateway drug through. We can go through the whole thing. I spent a large portion of my career taking large bricks of marijuana off the streets. Still a federally scheduled drug. But I understand the arguments. Well, look at alcohol. Look at, look at people who abuse you know, hard alcohol or look at you know, moonshining and, and all these other drugs and prescription drugs that people abuse. I get it. But until we have a valid way, a safeguard for the populace, for people who abuse this and do abuse it, anyone here who knows someone who uses recreational marijuana, be it gummies, edibles, be it smoking it, be it vaping it now or any other way they do it. And, and this is not our grandparents or our I shouldn't say are because I've never done it. Well, I've been drug tested my entire life, but the fields I've been in, you know, it's it's not the same thing. It's the THC is much more concentrated. There's different. It's a different time, and until we can have safeguards in place, 
I don't want to see us go the route of Colorado. I mean, we are already one of the highest states with uh, vehicle-on-deer accidents. Just because of our geographic location, our population of deer and the roads we have. On my way home last night, there was a buck on the median of 81 that was literally two feet from my car standing there waiting to dart across. And by the time I saw him, there was a car to my right. I was in the left lane. There was no way for me to swerve over. If he stepped out, I was hitting him. It was simple as that. Thankfully, he didn't. So just be careful that those bucks are rutting because he was panting, just staring at the road from the medium. And that, that's a 12-foot medium that he was in. It's not like there was a lot of woods there. I was just north of Clark Summit and south of uh, what Waverly. So, uh, you know, be careful out there. But until we have the proper safeguards in place for a, a valid, usable field sobriety test, you know, I think we're putting a lot of people in danger because it will be abused, especially because it's undetectable in a lot of circumstances. And that's my concern there. And that's my only concern, really. But it is getting thrown around in uh, Harrisburg, and we'll see where it goes. And I understand the taxes involved and everything else, but already they're talking about the 20% tax on it and everything else. And like New York is finding out now, with all the taxing and everything that's going on with the their marijuana, it's increasing the illegal because they can undercut the legal sales because of the 20% tax. Because you got to figure, a dispensary is not only getting the product, they're making a profit off the product, and they're paying 20% tax to the state. So say their profit's 10%, which is lowballing it, but say their profit's only 10%. 20% is going to the guy, that's 30%. Your street drug dealer will be able to sell that product that they're getting illegally for 10 or 15% markup rather than 30 40% that you're paying extra at a legal dispensary. So it is increasing the illegal markets as well, which enters a whole new problem. It's uh, 340, 3.34 here at WILK. It's time for the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 3.39 here, 46 degrees, and mostly sunny here in northeast Pennsylvania. Uh, got another text message, BS. Tuberville is holding him up because of his military abortion policies and he doesn't like it not that he wants a one-on-one not that he wants a one-on-one vote well that's partially true like i said the way these votes usually happen is there's dozens at a normal time now there's up to almost 300 or just over 300 now of these promotions and they ask the senate these are the promotions set forth by the commander-in-chief for the various roles in our military. Do we have it approved by the yeas and nays? And everybody says yay and nay, and then they say it's so approved, all the promotions are duly noted. That's the way it's normally done. Yes, Senator Tuberville has an issue with the military's policy of using federal funds to pay for travel for members of the military to cross state lines to have abortions. That is his problem. So you're right there. But with a voice confirmation vote, a group voice confirmation vote, any senator, no matter what the subject is, any senator could object, which is what Tuberville does under his policies and procedures of the Senate, which means they have to be done one by one, not as a group verbal vote where they call this promotion, now we have 
time to speak on both sides. Any senator can speak on either party at that time. And it takes time. They can call the person in for hearings and sit them down and ask them questions. But at any time, Chuck Schumer can call on the Senate floor, okay, since Senator Tuberville is objecting to the voice group confirmation vote, I'm going to call General such-and-such. I'm going to call Admiral such-and-such, who is up for the promotion transfer to this position. The confirmation is so here have it. And they will question him. They're allowed to. They have to present that person before the Senate. And it takes time. And then they can do a vote. So... Yes, that is the reason why he's doing it. It is his right as a senator to not proceed with a mass vote voice confirmation. But Senator Schumer, the majority leader, or whoever's in charge of the Senate at that time, can call them individually and have a hearing individually. A single senator cannot prevent that. It would go to a majority vote, which on a lot of chances they'd get. As a matter of fact, every single flag officer, which is a general or admiral, that Senator Chuck Schumer has brought before the Senate, I believe almost all of them have been passed unanimously from both parties. So that's, uh, that's all I'm saying there. It's uh, 443 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Tyler Childers and his band is called the Food Stamps. Childers. Childers, Childers, yeah. Childers. Okay, Tyler Childers. You like him, don't you, Jake? I don't even listen to country music. You don't? No. You don't admit, admit to it. But you knew how to say his name. All right, Jake. Because there's a Rodney Childers in NASCAR, that's why. Ah, because I can relate it to Okay. Kevin but, Harvick's crew chief. But don't NASCAR... Country music and... It definitely does go hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. I was going to also add missing teeth, but I didn't. I'm only kidding, Jake. Well. <laughs> well, in late October, Tyler, Tyler Childers traveled to Denver, Colorado to surprise students at Wellchester Elementary School. They donated 15 guitars and nine packs of strings to the school's music program. The latest charitable donation is part of Childers and the band's roles as Canned Aid Tunes Ambassadors. Tunes Ambassadors are part of the Colorado-based nonprofit Music and Arts Program. The program supports local communities by donating new instruments to underserved schools and hosting concerts for the children. So that's kind of kind of cool stuff. Depending. So what is the difference between broth and consomme? Somebody wants to know. We need answers on the broth issue. Bone broth, broth, stock. Con- well, I think, is, isn't consomme just the, the language? I think. I don't know. I, I don't, don't cook much at all. Soup is my specialty. You know why soup is my specialty, Jake? Because you can... Because you can throw it all, you can throw just a whole bunch of stuff in a pot and something happens and usually it tastes good. Yeah. Other things, not so much. Like baking is like a precise science and I'm not good with that. All right. All right. 570-883-0098. Somebody told me that they thought that the build a better mousetrap thing might be something to do with um, 
like uh, speed traps or DUI traps. But no. PennDOT and the Pennsylvania State Association of Township Supervisors on Wednesday <clears throat> announced that the annual Build a Better Mousetrap competition is accepting submissions from Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania municipalities. The BABMT competition is open to municipalities for solutions that employees have designed, built, or adapted that innovated maintenance, equipment, or process to better serve Pennsylvania travelers, according to a press release. The submissions can be anything from the development or modification of tools and equipment to processes that increase safety, reduce costs, or improve the efficiency or quality of the transportation. Technological innovations and the unique use of new tools such as drones, apps, computers, smartphones, and tablets are also welcome. In past years, winners have included a widener repurposed uh, for, from uh, Birmingham machines, a specialized storage rack for spreaders, and a high-pressure undercarriage sprayer. So which this might explain, since they're doing it through contest form, what are these sprayers? You don't mean the sprayers, the paint sprayers, because those are doing a lousy job. Aren't they, Jake? Have you seen some of these lines that are painted in some of these roads? Oh, yeah. Whoa. I mean, since they got this right in 1970, that the lines were straight, like the way they were supposed to be. And here we are in 2023, and the lines are all over the place. I don't know how you explain that. Logically or sensibly. But at any rate, they do contests and winners, um, and, and they name winners. And maybe, and again, they're not admitting to that's how they came with the roundabout. Oh, no, the roundabout thing was a, a, a son of a friend of a somebody somebody owed something to or something like that, right? I, I do believe. So deadline for all these submissions is March 1st. And, of course, you can find more at pendant.gov backslash news. That'll give you all the details that you need on that. Well, what happened in the Epstein case, Jake? Wasn't there a sleeping guard and cameras that didn't work and all that? I have no and idea. And then he ended up dead, and they said it was a a suicide. But there was all these other things that left in question. Well, apparently, stuff like that happens more often than you would think. And we'll discuss something not too far from home like that as we head into the 2 o'clock hour. And then again at 2.30, we will talk with the Supreme Court Justice candidate Maria Batista. This is a very important election and choice that you get to make and get to have your say in. So make sure you tell your friends that's coming up, all right? It is WILK, and I am Nikki Stone. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 354 here in the station, 46 degrees and mostly sunny outside. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. Let's go to the phones. We have uh, Eugene from the Diamond City on gun control. Eugene. Yeah, uh, thanks for taking my call, Rob. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going back. Uh, I, did, I do get PBS. That's where I get my news from. I, I believe in it. And... Uh, my finances are such that I, I could do it. But uh, when that the governor of Maine, you know, she said we want to stand for Lewiston and so on, you know, and she's a Democrat. 
you know, and she didn't say that, uh, you know, how come we're having this problem all the time? It's been happening over. We need uh, gun legislation, sensible, and banning assault weapons and have red flag lie. Red flag laws and uh, and so forth. And uh, I did get a letter from Congressman Cartwright about it in June, and he supports the HR 698 bill, assault weapons ban. You know, and uh, it goes on to say, you know, it's he's a corporate, he's a proud co-sponsor, and will fight to keep these deadly assault weapons off the streets and so on. So I, I don't know I, when it's, we're in a divided state. So, so well, I, I just was wondering what your take was on that. Well, if you, that. if you look at what happened in Maine specifically, if you look at this incident, Maine has yellow flag laws. They did not follow them. Um, this, oh, this day. gentleman was reported by the military. He was reported to the police. The police made two visits to his home that were unsuccessful. His family said that he was a danger. The police knew he was a danger. Matter of fact, they had an APB out on him and then canceled it three weeks before the shooting took place uh, because they yeah. couldn't find him. And his family said that they would remove the guns from him. Uh, there were there were numerous failures throughout this throughout history. But if you go back in time to the original assault weapons ban, and, and there's millions of these weapons around, if they were truly the problem, we would know about it. It did not. Yeah. When they had the assault weapons ban of the 90s, what happened is crime with other types of firearms skyrocketed. So it's not that gun crime stopped, it just morphed into using a different type of weapon. So it was deemed as, as, as unsuccessful. Yeah, is that what? Uh, <laughs> well, I guess we're just going to keep on going down this road. And, I, you know, it's. I, so. Uh, well, what, yeah, what I what I would like to see is the media, especially. There's there's a big enough problem with what the incidents that really happen, but by trying to scare the public, seeing there's 400 or 500 of these mass shootings when there's actually only been 38 this year, as per the this data that's used by the FBI, that that, that even you know the AP and USA Today uh, posted uh, together saying yeah, and, and you know what, 38 is 38 too many. But right, let's not right. lie about the problem because when you start from a place of fiction, how do you how do you fix an issue? How do you, how do you you're arguing about basic facts? You can never address the issue, and, and that's one of the things that's really going on there, Eugene. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay, I, all right. Uh, There's definitely gonna... a problem there, and there definitely yeah. needs to be real discussions about it. But when we when we try yeah. to blame inanimate objects, when we try and blame things that that simply aren't the cause of the problem. I mean, here was a mental health issue that a lot of people knew about and didn't do anything about. And you want to talk about yeah. additional laws? Well, Maine has a yellow flag law. The police could have taken his guns at any time. Uh, is that the same as a red flag law? Or with a yellow, with a yellow strict... flag law, only yeah. the police or law enforcement can take your gun or the courts. With a red flag uh, law, family members can advise the police, co-workers. There's other entities okay. that, could, that could send okay. that warning to have your guns taken away till you have a due process hearing. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Uh, thank you for that information. And, uh, okay, have a, have a good day. Thank Bye-bye. you, Eugene. I appreciate you listening. Thank you. Uh, and yes, there needs to be serious conversations about this. And, but if you look at, there was there were multiple failures. The police failed, the military failed, 
this individual's family failed. And, and, and yes, the police did go to his home. They were warned by his family. When he comes to the door, he usually has a pistol in his hand that you don't see behind the door. And that's how the police went there, knowing that. But, you know, in your home, you have a right to answer the door like that as long as you're not a danger to anybody. He was. He was having a mental breakdown. It was notified by his, his chain of command in the military. They sent him for a three-week evaluation, which at, what, at, at that time should have been notified to local authorities to remove all weapons whatsoever. That wasn't done. You know, the, the ball was dropped by law enforcement, by the military, by his family and multiple entities. But when you talk about more laws, like I said, there was a yellow flag law there. The police could have taken these guns at any time. It was not done. Let's figure out the lapses there and fix them. That's where we need to solve the problems. It's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio. It's uh, coming up on the 4 o'clock hour. We'll be back to talk about some more things after this.